This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. Usually lately when we do a podcast, I'll say it's been a while, and sure enough, it has. Uh, I'm here with David Weiner, who for about 12 years I've been calling my guest, and it's obviously a little bit silly. Basically, my co-host, uh, you know him as Bema Thug on Clutch Fans Forums and on Twitter. David, thanks for doing this, man. Uh, a lot's been happening lately. I'm excited. Let's get right into it, Dave. Yeah. So let me ask you this. What was your reaction I don't believe you were in. We did a live lottery space. I don't believe you were in there when we went live. Uh, it was afterwards. But what was your reaction as you watched the lottery results uh, unfold the last Tuesday? Well, uh, when our name didn't come up uh, with the fifth pick, that was a sigh of relief. And then when it didn't come up fourth, I was pretty pretty darn happy. Uh, I went into the night really hoping for one or two. And I, I actually, I don't know if I almost would have, psychologically preferred two over one uh given that i really like we'll get into them individually but uh, i really like chet and jabari kind of a little more than everybody else and wouldn't mind being the team that didn't have to pick between the two could just have the other one fall into our laps but um ending up at three uh with a chance of any of jabari chet or paolo i was very happy the Rockets only had a 40% chance of that happening. The odds were against it. So to fall in that three spot, uh, I'm I'm definitely pleased. It's not the greatest thing I was hoping for, but I'm definitely pleased. You know, it's funny. Um, at, as we were watching it unfold, I mean, I don't think that's usually how it happens, right? I mean, there's somebody in the late lottery usually that kind of slips in there, maybe, you know, eight, nine, something like that, something, some sort of shock. And just the way it was going, everything was just coming up Houston, right? I mean, I was I was loving it. But I have to admit, even though I was stoked the Rockets were not fifth and they were in the top four, I did not like the other three teams that were there. I thought um, the Rockets would have been better served if Sacramento was out and would have made them a good trade partner. I didn't want OKC up there. Orlando also. I think Orlando and OKC are very similar to Houston in that they're going outright BPA. I went into the draft thinking three would probably be good because I thought there was enough Paolo buzz, Paolo Bancaro, who I don't have in my top three, but you know would consider him the third of the, the, the three bigs that are up there. I thought there was enough buzz about Paolo that we could see somebody taking him one or two. And I was amazed that right after the results were in, it was just like uh, almost unanimous. It's not completely, but that it was either going to be Jabari one or Chet one and then Whoever didn't, didn't go one is going to go two. So it does look like the lay of the land right now that Paolo Bancaro is going to be the guy at three. How do you feel about that? I mean, it's not a guarantee, right? I mean, we don't know. And OKC, Sam Presti, they love to, to build up his rep as, as a wizard, a guy who takes, you know, outside the box thinking. 
anything could happen with those top two picks. But right now it looks like Jabari and Chet are going to be gone and Houston's at three. How do you feel? A whole lot better than you do, apparently, Dave. Um, I, you know, Paolo's, uh, Paolo's firmly number three on my board, but he's not such a distant third as I think, or, or fourth in your case, I think, uh, as you have him. Um, I definitely preferred Chet and Jabari, but the drop off was not tremendous for me. Uh, if we end up with Paolo, I'd be, just fine with that. I mean, I, th- I think he is going to be a star. I hope so. I think he can be a star. Um, I like his floor. I think uh, worst case scenario, he is an above average starting power forward in the NBA. Um, I agree with that. That's for sure. I mean, I, right. I don't think there's any like major bust potential with Paolo Bancaro at all. Um, but you say you think he, he's going to be a star. How do you envision his stardom? So my, my hope is that he's, uh, he's this generation's Chris Weber. I, I see him as a, a high post passer, a guy you can run the offense through. Uh, I think he, that mid range jumper, I think he's gonna, is gonna be pr- a pretty strong weapon for him. Uh, I think he's got the potential to open out that range to three point, uh, to the three point line. Uh, I know the Rockets will definitely be working working with him on that, uh, and uh, there's defensive potential. I mean, obviously, you're when you're weighing him against Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith, that you know those are two potentially elite defenders. So he's going to look really poor in comparison. But I've got hope that he can be a a, a pretty decent defender. I don't think he's going to get any all defense teams or anything, but uh, I don't think he's going to be a sieve or anything like that. Uh, I know we'd like defense, and we can get into that a little more if you want. No, uh, yeah. I'm talking about the, the other two, but I, I just think he's a really, really good player. Um, again, I don't, I, I'm not as down on him as you are. I'm not as high on him as some other people on Rockets Twitter and whatnot are. But I, I'm, I'm happy to get him. I'd be just, just happy to get him. So yeah, I mean I'm not, I mean I'm down definitely on him on on consensus, right? I mean he's fourth, the guy I, I would take Ivy over him, but it's not like oh Ivy's clearly better than Paolo. Um, I think to me though I had a gap or I have a gap between Jabari and Chet and Paolo that's probably bigger than most people. I think some people think hey any of the three is fine, any of the three could go number one, but it just doesn't look like that is the case right now. So so as far as Bancaro, are you kind of thinking this is a point power forward are you thinking the Rockets are just gonna have uh, I guess my concern with it is you know I, I always talk about Julius Randle and it's he's not Julius Randle I'm not trying to disparage him uh, in saying he's Julius Randle it's that that role that Julius Randle plays a kind of a point power forward a high usage power forward who creates for others uh, can shoot some threes uh, can score at different levels and and you know when I mentioned Julius Randle, I think a lot of people get upset about, oh, well, you know, Randle's low IQ, low IQ or just a physical guy. But to me, Bancaro needs to be a primary to, to really leverage the value that he provides as a playmaker. And if he's a primary, is he good enough to, to give that role too? You know, I, I know it's not, this is not a parallel, but I always kind of look at Jeremy Lin, right? Like Jeremy Lin's a guy that, he was the point guard. He was running the show, but like, and he's very good. He's very versatile. Does a lot of different things. 
but he's not good enough, right, to, to really run a show at that level. And, and then Harden came in, and it was very clear that Harden was a lead at it. So that's, I think, my concern, whereas the other guys, Chet and Jabari, have clear fallback uh, potential. You know, like in other words, you know they can fill a role if it's not them running the, the show. And so I think that's where it comes down to for me with Paolo is, you know, if he's a star, great, I'm wrong. But if he isn't a star – I don't think that's as, as valuable as people think it is. And, and, and I'm inclined to agree with you there, Dave, but um, I, I think he, he's potentially that, that secondary playmaker. Um, I don't think the ball is going to stick with him as much as it does with Randall. Uh, I think he can keep the ball moving. He's a really smart passer. Um, I'm trying to think back to when Randall was one of the top prospects coming out, um, but as I recall, I think Paolo's considered a better passer than Randall was. Um, I, yes, he probably needs the ball in his hands to be at his absolute most effective, but that doesn't mean he can't be effective as more in more of a, a secondary role playing off of guys like Jalen or KPJ um, in the offense. So I, yeah. I, I'm, I got my fingers crossed on there, but uh, you know, either, either that he can be a secondary playmaker or, that he's just so darn good that you, you don't mind him having the ball in his hands a lot of the time. All <laughs> right. So let me ask you this. Um, so let me, I'll say this first before I ask any uh, on this, but like I am more excited about Paolo when I think about taking everyone else on the roster other than Jalen Green and just putting them to the side. And as long as we're not committing to any of these guys, that includes KBJ, uh, Shangun, guys who we think could, could fit in well. Um, I see more of a vision for the Rockets' future, excluding those guys, and in saying, "Hey, you you guys need to establish or prove that you're part of this core." I would look at it as Paolo and, and Green, and that's about it. Um, so I, I do think that's that's pretty good, but I think the starting guys around them are going to need to be possibly different players. I actually think KPJ is closer to establishing himself there than Shangun is because Shangun Bancaro uh, defensively and and. I know there are people saying, hey, uh, Ben Carroll's not as bad defensively as some are claiming, but we know he's not a plus defender, right? And, and same thing with Shingun. They're both just 19. They can get better. But that's that's the concern for me is I want to now flank those guys with really good defensive players. That's why I think Tari Eason at 17 or moving up to get Tari Eason would be a good fit. Adding a guy at center like, like a Mark Williams or somebody who can play really good defense behind uh, the perimeter – is, is, I think, going to become mandatory at some point. So no rush to make those decisions, but I think that does – that's how I see the future unfolding, that it, it's – there's going to be a lot of things going against Shingun Bankara working. I, I agree. Um, I, I think the Rockets in, a, in the middle of a rebuild have the luxury of trying it. Uh, I'm inclined to agree with you that it's not – it's probably not going to be a very successful pairing on the defensive end. Who knows? It could just be so wildly successful on offense that they'll take their lumps on defense. I mean, some teams just play that way. Uh, I know that's not necessarily going to win you championships, but I don't know if the Rockets see the, see even even have this roster being part of a championship team. Um, but you know, they have the luxury to go with to run with it for a while, see how it goes and and let it let it have the opportunity to fail if it's going to fail or to or to succeed. 
but yeah, I, I think if you're trying to build this roster to grow into a winner and you kind of want the, you know, most of the pieces in place to, to, to start that growth, they probably need to start looking for a long defensive center, a rim protector, uh, whether that's later in the draft, whether that's via trade or free agency, we'll see. So let me ask you this. It is, I mean, I agree. If, if people think that there's three guys, they're all equal, and whoever, you know, any of them could go one, any of them go three, I think you're in a great position at three. If you don't have any preferences or favorites or one guy over the other, the Rockets are in a great position, a really good position. But based on how you rank them, would you consider moving up or moving down or any options here? I know I know you and I know you're you're like, hey, I'm listening to everything. But is there anything that jumps out that you're like, hey, I'm considering Sharp or Ivy in a move down if I can pick up a pick next year or pick up um, players, uh, move John Wall, something along those lines. Anything like that jump off the page to you when you look at options? I mean, Dave, you've thrown out some interesting scenarios that would that you know would, would definitely be worth exploring but unless you're getting a premium future asset my preference would be not to trade down i think even though i have chet and jabari ahead of paolo i i think there's a drop off after paolo i really like Jaden ivy i just frankly don't know enough about Jaden sharp to to really know how good he could be um but i my personal draft board, I, I have Paolo firmly third in a tier above Ivy. So uh, I, I wouldn't trade down, given that this team just lacks elite talent outside sure, of Jalen sure. Green. You, if, if there's one on the board for you that you think's elite, and I think the Rockets probably do view Paolo as an elite talent. Oh, I, I think um, they do too. I, I think they're... I think they were, believe it or not, probably not sure what they were going to do with their four or five. I think they wanted one of the three forwards. I have to admit, even me going into the draft, I probably was like okay with a, um, the third pick. But I, I definitely maybe bought into a little bit of hype that was out there about Paolo moving up to one or two. I mean, a lot of people had Paolo number one on the board. And as soon as as soon as the actual push came to shove and uh, the results were in, and these are teams that are taking BPA, mind you, Orlando and OKC, it was you know very clear. Everybody had Jabari and Chet one and two. And so it was like, wow, you know, that escalated quickly. So I think the Rockets. Although, Dave, I, w- I will say this. Of all those draft experts, how many of them had Josh Giddy going number six to OKC? Like, Probably zero. I don't think anybody knows what Sam Presti is actually going to do. While you and I would probably take Chet or Jabari with the second pick, whoever falls, we don't know what Sam Presti's thinking. And anyone that's, anyone outside of the Oklahoma City front office who says they do is probably lying. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I mean, OKC, I think they love that reputation, but like, you know, that's when they're six, five, I mean, four, and and they've taken some things that were not exactly consensus. It's a little tougher at one and two, I think. I I can't, you know, they could surprise me and take somebody like Sharp number two because they just see potential through the roof, but I'm willing to bet they're taking, you know, one of those top two. Maybe they take Paolo, but I don't, I can't see them going too unorthodox if you know unless they make a trade of some sort yeah i mean I, that, that that's my point is that i don't think we can rule out oklahoma city taking paulo and in fact I, I don't think you can rule them out taking ivy uh completely uh just because i i try to open my mind when i'm trying to think of what sam Presti's going to do and try not to kind of think inside the box 
if it were me, I'd, I'd take one of Cheddar and Jabari, but I think Paolo is close enough to that level and Ivy's not far off where it wouldn't shock me if they either went that went with one of them or traded down to four or something like that. Sure. And yeah, I mean, I think if anything unprotected for next year came up from a team that is likely in the lottery, then I'd be very intrigued. But you know, I, you're the guy, I need you to come in and say, Dave, it's ridiculous. You're thinking about anything (laughs) getting traded to the Rockets unprotected, but something along those lines I think would, would get me to move. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, you probably stay here. You take Paolo. I'm pretty much resigned to that. They're going to end up getting Paolo. And, and does that change any view, if it's Bancaro, of who you want at 17, or is that unfazed? I mean, there's a just human nature takes over, and you're, you're kind of looking for the best fit. But, I mean, I think Rafael Stone's been pretty clear. He's going to go best player available always, especially when you're this stage of a rebuild. Because, I mean, for all we know, Jalen has a setback or something, God forbid. But even the guys we think are a part of our future could falter. You're always, you always need to go for the, the player you think is the best on your board. Uh, do I, all else equal, if there's a guard, uh, or another power forward or a versatile defensive wing, I'm going to go with the versatile defensive wing, all else equal. But, you know, we, I'd be curious to see what the Rockets draft board actually looks like. If they have a guard that's, they think is just a better player than a defensive wing, they're probably going to go for the talent over the fit. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it's, it's funny. I think, you know, we talked about this before, like about six to 14, there is a difference in talent, but somebody's going to be available in that 10 to 14 range that could easily go six. You know, it, it it's, there's so much variance, I think, in, in how these guys are being slotted there that it just feels like 10 to 14 is where you want to trade up. Seven is probably the highest, I would think, that the Rockets could trade up. But even then, that would have to be costly with Portland and, you know, their cap situation. You know, you know this situation really well, right? They've got the seventh pick of the draft. They've got a bunch of cap. They've got that 2025 Milwaukee pick that's top four protected. And they've got to win now, right? They don't have a whole lot around Damian Lillard. So that's a possible trade target, but the, the talent that the Rockets would trade them is going to fill up some of that cap. Plus, you're asking for the seventh pick. That's that's a tough sell, I think. Yeah, and even then, like I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, Dave. Is that, like you said, anywhere from six to fourteen, you're going to get a comparable talent. I mean, obviously, at the top end of that, you're going to get someone a little better. But is it worth the assets it would take to? get up to the nominal seventh pick versus what it would take to trade for the, you know, 12th, 13th, 14th pick, get a similar talent and not have to give up as much. You know, it's funny. So Charlotte, we've talked about them a lot. They're holding 13 and 15 kind of got extremely lucky. Not kind of, they got extremely lucky with that pick um, dropping in their laps with the Pelicans making the playoffs. Uh, I think that that's a possibility if Williams and Duran are both off the board by 13, um, I, what do you think about that? Um, you know, uh, Chris White, Firebear uh, on Twitter and Deuce on Clutch Fans has really talked a lot about, um, you know, a, a pitch of 13 and PJ Washington for Christian Wood and 17. That's somewhat intriguing. I know it's only moving up four spots, but you're getting a pretty solid player who's due for a payday at some point here soon. Um, in PJ, 
something like that, believe it or not, I think the difference between 17 and 13 is significant. I think you're going to get somebody good at 17. I, I think um, somebody you like, but you might miss out on maybe the best defensive wings uh, in that range. And so I think jumping up somewhere to like 13 would be a very effective too. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that sounds like a solid idea. I mean, it's uh, it, I'd be curious to, to know how Charlotte views PJ Washington versus how it views Christian Wood. I mean, that the answer to that question is going to determine how viable that trade is. But true, they got Plumley um, too, as far as salary. I guess you could put Plumley in there, but yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it would it would almost have to include him. Um, so I guess they you know they get off of that contract, but um, you know, and, and you said you qualified this that Mark Williams is off the board. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking those two guys, Duran and, and Williams, would have to both be off the board, right? Because I think they have such a need at a defensive big. And I, I, I mean, it's been talked about for a long time, but it just seems so obvious that a team like Charlotte at 13 would that, – that that's the, the lowest Mark Williams could go, that they wouldn't pass on somebody else for um, – pass on him for somebody else, in my opinion. Sadly, I think you're right. Uh, he Mark Williams is someone I've wanted for months. Like – he was that guy that if he fell to 17, I would have been thrilled and, and snatched him up, uh, especially if we weren't going to get, you know, Chet uh, with a top pick. But uh, so, 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 Dave, what, what are some of the names that you'd like to see on the board when the Rockets come up at 17? Well, I think there's uh, I mean, to be honest with you, the guys that are intrigue me the most are I think all of them have to be trade up candidates. Now, maybe Tari Eason falls to 17. I can't see Dyson Daniels falling. He's been moving way up. Um, Jeremy Sohan as well, moving way up. But Daniels, Sohan, Eason are my three favorites as far as uh, getting in there. And then, believe it or not, it's Usman Diang and Mark Williams as far as like, you know, in that in that grouping um that's kind of the sweet spot 10 to 14 and that's exactly in daniel sohan eason williams diang order that i have 10 to 14 i think um any one of those prospects would be really good because i think one through nine is um you know those guys are not none of those ones six to nine keegan murray aj griffin benedict mather and jalen duran i can't see them falling past 14 so i like i said i really feel like this draft is about 12 to 14 deep as far as significant prospects. And then there's still that possibility. You know this very well, David. I mean, Joshua Primo went last year, um, Zaire Williams. There were some surprises. And I think we've got guys like Malachi Branham, Jaden Hardy. Johnny Davis is, by most accounts, going to be in the, in the lottery. Um, Ochai Baji could, could be in there. Ty Ty Washington. Um, you know, the, and Leonard Miller could throw some wrench in the works if somebody just believes – in his, uh, you know, measurements and upside. So there's going to be some guys fall to 17 that you'd be like, wow, I didn't expect that. You know, maybe it's a Diang or, or somebody along those lines. But that that's what I think the situation is um, for the Rockets to 17. But they have to balance that in, in, in looking at any trade-up. You know, I just think a defensive wing, especially if you take Paolo. I, I did find that my board changed just a little bit, believe it or not, after taking Paolo because even though I, I look BPA – I, I, you know, you have to calculate fit in there a little bit somewhere. Um, and so I think um, so a few different players just became maybe a little bit higher priority for me if they take Paolo number three. So specifically, what traits are you looking for in the 17th pick, ideally? Basically, and, and realistically. <laughs> yeah, Tari Eason, basically. Um, I, I think size, length, tenacity, um, 
defensive potential. That's what I want. And, you know, he's not the, his three point shooting, um, isn't like what I would love. You know, I mean, this is obviously this is a big reason why I love Jabari. Jabari's going to, has the potential to be elite defender, has potential to be elite shooter. I know there's other flaws, but that, that player type with his height and length is so valuable in the modern NBA. And it just it cracks me up when people talk about this being like some, you know, Trevor Ariza role player or something along those lines. To me, I'm looking for um, length, defensive tenacity, um, defensive smarts, one of the big reasons I like Sohan, and Daniels as well. It's defense. I mean, those guys, uh, Daniels and Sohan, I think will end up being very um, positive, smart, offensive players, but their strength is defense, and that's what I think draws me the most right now at 17 or in a trade-up. And, and, and what's the grab for you with uh, Usman Jang? I think it's just a home run swing for me. I look at him at his size and just the way he he moves. He's fluid. It's it's nothing but a home run swing. It's like, hey, this guy could be something special. Um, you know, could be a guy who you know a, a, could be a playmaker at his position and be able to knock down threes, shoot over people. Um, I think that's what I I like about him. It's it's not um, like, hey, if we draft Usman Dieng, it's going to be a real you know huge boost to the team next year. I think that's a guy you probably put in the G league and you've got real high upside, uh, kind of like Jalen Johnson a little bit with um, Atlanta last year played predominantly in the G league. Um, I th- that's the kind of role I would see for Dang if the Rockets took him. I mean, those Giannis comparisons are very tempting, but you have to, you have to temper those expectations. Cause that's, that's a once in a generation type uh, <laughs> type of prospect. Yeah, no question, no question. I mean, uh, yeah, I, you know, with with Giannis, and you remember that draft. I mean, I, I actually talked about this in a space the other day on Twitter. I mean, that draft. I mean, we were talking about the Rockets maybe trying to get him with a second round pick. I don't know if you remember that, but like we we're he was sort of this buzz circulated about Giannis. How far would he fall? Late first, uh, you know, second, or like he, he kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and then when he went fifteenth. People were like, wow, the Bucks took him that high. And, um, you know, so it was kind of off the table. But, um, you know, I don't I'm not necessarily saying Dang is, is something like that. But, he, you know, given his size and his ability to move and create and, and shoot. And I, I think there's a lot there to like. And there's it's not like this is a top three pick where you're like, you know, expecting superstardom. But there is superstardom uh, potential there. I mean, it's just it's basically a uh, like I said, a swing for the fences. So let's say. 17 rolls around. There's no real trade-up opportunities that the Rockets think are worthwhile. And all of your defensive wings are off the board. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. If you can get Jeremy Sohan or uh, Tari Eason, you know, or, or the home run swing with Usman Jang, I'm all for that. I, I agree with you. Um, but, you know, we have to prepare for the possibility that other teams agree with that as well, and those guys will be off the board and you just can't get them. Um, if you're left with, quote, unquote, the guys that, that you, you weren't really hoping would still be there and, you know, maybe the guys that you thought would you were hoping would come off the board, you know, like Alperen Sengun last year, <laughs> right, you know, the guy right. you really wanted to come off the board before the Rockets and yes. didn't want to be on the Rockets. Absolutely. Uh, I told you to lighten up on it. And, and um, the, the, the funny part about it, though, is, David, even though he was much better than I expected, like those concerns that I had, like the exact concerns I have about Paolo. I mean, similar, right? Like in the modern NBA, do you want a guy who mainly operates in the mid post on in 
and is not necessarily like this elite athlete. It's not like a stretches the floor. It's not an elite defensive player. And we, and I'm, I'm not saying I was right and at all. I'm just saying we have Good. those very questions right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I mean, that's the, the questions we have about Shingun. Some people love him and think he's going to be outstanding. And I, I think at a minimum, he's going to be a very good six man in this league. But, uh, you know, those, those the exact questions that we have, like, is how is he going to play, um, you know, a, a role next to Paolo Bancaro when they both kind of have some similar weaknesses? Right, but for a player in the same drafted in the same range as we're talking now with the 17th pick, uh, Shingun going 16th last year, you know, the, it's a pretty good. Uh, even even your your tempered expectation now is is still a pretty positive outcome with the with the 16th or 17th pick. So let let's say that that your wings are off the board. Would you want? All, let's say the Rockets have a several players kind of all rated relatively equal would you want to get another shooting guard type player maybe multi-positional guard like a Jaden Hardy or a Malachi Branham um, or would you look for a point guard you know to maybe back up KPJ like a Ty Ty Washington or a Kennedy Chandler uh, well, what are your thoughts on those guys uh it's funny you say that and the way in when you word it that way it does I mean I have for example, right now I have 17 Hardy, 18 Ty Ty, and 19 Branham, exactly as you mentioned. So that's that's uh, after the 14 I listed, I've got Agbaji 15, Johnny Davis 16, even though I fully expect Davis to go higher than that. So, yeah, that, that actually makes me, the way you framed it, makes me rethink maybe I should flip Hardy and Washington there because I, Hardy to me is just pure potential. I think he's going to succeed in the league because I don't know if you've watched him, I mean, that guy is really good at scoring. Like, I, he wasn't efficient at all in the G League, but, I mean, he's got some, in my opinion, moves that are NBA level. Um, and if you're getting somebody like that at 17, it's like, yeah, why not, right? But when you're considering that the Rockets are building, I'd much rather have a defensive wing. But if they're not there, I'm fully willing to take a swing for Jaden Hardy. Ty Ty Washington will probably be the better fit and probably a guy who – at least balances out some of, uh, you know, KPJ or hedges your bet. Maybe I should have Ty Ty one over Hardy instead of vice versa. Yeah, I mean, for, for, for what it's worth, I, I and I was bringing this up on Twitter earlier. Um, I just don't know why no one's t- no one in Rockets Twitter's talking at all about Ty Ty Washington. I get the infatuation over the defensive wings, but and if one falls, great, let's take them. But there's a pretty decent chance all those guys are off the board. Uh, you know, Ty Ty, he measured out taller than I thought he would. He's, he's just a shade under 6'4. And, you know, before his ankle injuries at Kentucky, he was having a phenomenal season. I think he was firmly in the lottery before he had those injuries and this kind of limp to the finish line, so to speak. But I think he's a multi-dimensional guard. He's a pretty good shooter. And then, those Kentucky guards have a habit of being better pros than they are college players. So, you know, Kentucky's generated a ton of really good guards that were a little underwhelming in college, but turned out to be really, really good pros. And uh, while each player should be measured on their own merits, uh, if we ended up with Ty Ty, I, I think he would be a really, really good third guard on this team. 
Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. I mean, obviously you're going to have Dacian Nix and KPJ. You've still got the three-guard option possibilities. Josh Christopher, you hope, takes a, a, a step forward, if not a leap next year. Um, but, yes, I, I'm, I'm absolutely not. If they took Ty Ty 17th, depending on who's on the board, I'm not disappointed. I, I do worry a little bit like something's going to come out of nowhere, you know, like – I don't know, something that we weren't expecting, like Harrison Ingram or some, something crazy, Blake Wesley, uh, you know, something that we didn't see coming. Uh, kind of like Josh Christian. Like Roderick Rhodes? Well, yeah, Rod, that's a way back reference, right? But I, I was thinking something like Josh Christopher, who has d- turned out, you know, pretty well. It looks, looks really good. But um, I could see the Rockets doing something like that. So, you know, we'll see. I, I, you know, EJ Liddell is another guy that comes to mind, um, you know, as far as a, a little bit of defense, a little bit of, of scoring as well. So, there's a lot of options. I feel better with each passing day, to be honest with you, about if the Rockets just stood pat at 17. But I just think they could get a significant tier better if they got to say 11 or 13. And, and, and who who are you? Who or what are you most willing to give up to make that move? Christian Wood, Eric Gordon, Jay Sean Tate, and this is some combination. Um, uh, number 17, obviously. Um, I'm not really not for that range. I'm not looking at um, giving up the Milwaukee pick next year. I just think it's I, if even if the Rockets don't use it, it's just valuable to some team, especially a team like OKC or something that just wants a shot at the you know you never know what could happen kind of shot at, at Wemby next year. So I think having an unprotected pick next year is too valuable to move up to just 13. But any of those other guys, absolutely. And and to me, David, I want to find that team. Who who out there is interested in Christian Wood? Who's interested in Eric Gordon? Who's interested in Jay Sean Tate? Um, and that's what I'm I'm curious to know. I mean, I, it's it's tough to say. I think a lot of teams would be interested in Eric Gordon, but teams in the late lottery, it's harder to say. Yeah, and it's tough. You know, there were a lot of potential fits for Eric Gordon at the trade deadline, but you know, with the trade deadline having come and gone, all the soon to be expiring contracts are not trade eligible. So there's fewer like salary matching fits out there for Eric Gordon, just given the size of his salary. I think there's, there's more fits for, for wood just because he's, you know, a good $5 million less than, than Gordon's salary next year. Uh, and then obviously Jay Sean Tate basically makes the minimum. So um, while he doesn't fall in the minimum salary trade exception, he, you could basically work a trade of Tate to basically any team. Uh, so that would work well. I mean, I'd hate to see Tate leave, but there's only so many rotation spots. Um, I mean, would you be willing to, to move some of the rookies? Like, great question. Garuba. Wow. You know, it's funny. That's a great question. Actually, that's come up recently. He was talking with, uh, with some friends about that. You know, I would. I mean, I, I know Daryl Morey would. <laughs> you know, I always say that. Like, if it was a, a better prospect comes along, yeah, they would do that. I have a hard time thinking they'll trade Christopher Garuba. You never know. I mean, they they were they liked Garuba, but they were hoping to trade that pick last year before they they made that selection. So, um, you never know. Uh, if they like Liddell better than Garuba, maybe something like that is a uh, you know possibility, or mo- just moving up in general. But yeah, I mean, if I could trade, if I traded Garuba and seven and seventeen for like Sohan, I I I would really like that option. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, even though I think Garuba could be still really good, I'm not down on him. I I like um, what I'm seeing from some of those prospects in that range. Let, let's throw out some trade ideas. Like what 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 are some trade? And it doesn't even have to be to move up in the draft. 
Like given, let, let's assume for a moment the Rockets are going to take Paolo Bancaro with the third pick of the draft, and you're planning your roster for next season based on that assumption. Any move out there that you would want to see the Rockets make in the the month following the draft, draft night to the month following that? You're saying after the draft, any move that I would like to see the Rockets make? Yeah, I mean, it could be a draft night move, like aside from just a trade up, that, that where the where the acquisition isn't somebody that's on your draft board right now. Is there a free agent or a player under contract with another team that you'd like to see the Rockets? go out and get to fit on next year's roster that you could put together a realistic trade for? You know, it's funny. I, I, I've i kind of completely missed that whole sector. I, I've been looking around and, and nothing like jumps off the page for me. I have been looking a lot at future picks though. I mean, I think I tweeted a little bit about that. Just, I think Sacramento's pick next year, even if protected, like lightly protected is interesting to me. Um, you know, some of the other picks that are out there, Memphis is owning Golden States in 24. I think there's a lot of trade possibilities for the Rockets in moving a, um, a player for a pick in the future. And I think what comes to mind is the Omer Ashik. You remember how long it took to trade Omer Ashik and then they ended up trading not for New Orleans pick that year when they made the deal, but for the next year. And it had that, that unique kind of window it needed to be in. So I could see the Rockets, um, if they're not able – to move up, I could see them moving a guy like Eric Gordon or something like that for a future pick. I think Portland just jumps right off the page with that Milwaukee 2025 top four protected pick that basically, I think, if I'm not mistaken, becomes nothing if it, you know, for somehow Milwaukee made it in the top four. But I think they're going to move that pick to get somebody that can help them win right away. Interesting. Well, um, the, the, the name that, that I've kept, kept coming back to, and I'm sure it's, there's a bias here, and, and you, you know who I'm going to be talking about. I've mentioned him before on Twitter. Um, is a guy I think could end up shaking loose is Mo Bamba. Uh, if Orlando takes Chad or Jabari, uh, they presumably have Jonathan Isaac coming off injury. Uh, they've already locked up Wendell Carter Jr. on a long-term deal. Uh, the qualifying offer for, for Mo Bamba to make him a restricted free agent is a little over $10 million. And, uh, Oklahoma, uh, or I'm sorry, Orlando may not want to do that. So he could hit unrestricted free agency where his own team already has their top three big spots filled. And if you're a team like Houston, where you and I both agree that Paolo and, and Shangun's probably not the best pairing, and while I would totally want Shangun to be the higher usage player, if you offer Mo Bamba a starting center job where he can start for you, I think non-taxpayer mid-level exception or even a little bit lower than that, he's gettable. And this is a guy who can block shots. He's extremely long. I mean, we're talking, we're marveling at Mark Williams size. Mo Bamba is pretty much the same size as Mark Williams. Uh, and he was a 38% three point shooter last year. And we don't, we hardly have anyone on our roster that can shoot threes that well. So he just seems like he'd be a natural fit. So you're, you're, you're thinking if Orlando doesn't do the qualifying offer and he becomes unrestricted, the Rockets have a good chance. Yeah. And, and, and possibly if you want to take it a step further and maybe he's not worth the assets, but let's say you can't move wood on draft night and you don't want to go into the season with him and Orlando does make Bamba restricted. Would you consider a sign and trade 
of wood for Bomba, and maybe Orlando throws something else in. I, that's that's interesting. I, I will say that's a good um, scenario you're throwing out there. I'll be honest, I have not watched him enough. I kind of dismissed him as like, wow, just disappointing early on. But I know he was mainly potential. It was going to take time for him to develop. I know he had a, at least a big half or a big game late in the season where he put up some big numbers. Um, yeah, I mean, I, for some reason, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Christian Wood with Detroit before the Rockets acquired him as far as you know him having coming into his own at that time. But uh, that could be a good acquisition that you've identified there. Yeah, I mean, and don't get me wrong. He definitely has his warts. If he didn't have those warts, there's no way in hell the Rockets would be able to get him. It, it, it's taken a gamble, just like you said, just like they took on Christian Wood, who they knew was not a very positive defender but could go out and get himself a bucket. You know, they, they, take, they took the chance on that potential. And, you know, say what you will about Christian Wood, for the contract they signed him to, that gamble has certainly paid off. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, I, I guess I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, you don't do it because Christian Wood wasn't, you know, everything you hoped for. But yes, it, it has been a good move. Um, hopefully, they're able to recoup a little bit of value here or, or do something with him. But I, that's that's a good idea. I can't really argue with it right off the bat. That's for sure. Um, I do tend to think, especially if they think Jabari is the best player for the, you know, best player available, and they take Jabari, that that Bamba could fit in there just fine. But um, I guess we'll have to see wh- which way they go in the, in the draft. Yeah, I mean, hell, paying, paying your fourth big $10, $12 million a year, though, may not be something they want to do, whereas, you know, he'd be the nominal second, but, you know, usage-wise, third, third or fourth big for the Rockets. Uh, they, they can justify that expense probably a little more. Before we close, though, can I ask, is there anything you could think of that could get the Rockets the fourth pick of the draft. Is there anything that could do that? I mean, this is a team that's yes, putting that. the third pick in the draft. <laughs> okay, for sure. Um, I mean, excluding the third pick of the draft, excluding Jalen Green, and that's it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm even looking at, you know, I'm not saying you're trying to move him, but Shingun, KPJ, anything other than those guys. Um, is there anything you would think Sacramento, which is a team that would only be shopping the pick because they feel – they're ready to, they need to win right away. Is there anything the Rockets could give them that would make that worthwhile? I mean, that's tough. I, I mean, like you, I was disappointed to see Sacramento move up because I thought yeah, yeah. if they had stuck in that seven, eight range, they would have been a pretty good trade partner as a team desperate to make the playoffs. And Christian Wood could probably help them, even though, or they would think he would help them. Uh, I think just having the fourth pick. It's almost like the the inherent value is it's too valuable to trade for what they would have wanted to get, even if they know intellectually that what they could get it would help them win more this season. I think they, they can't justify to themselves trading something as valuable as the fourth pick. Yeah, that's the way it feels, too. Like they they probably wanted to move it, but it's like, man, they're probably looking at a whole nother tier of players in trading the fourth pick or moving to seven or something and picking up something significant. Um, eight or whatever it may be. So to me, I, I wish the Rockets could, I would love to come away with Bancaro and Ivy or Bancaro and Sharp or whatever, however they want to do it. Um, that would be fantastic, but I just, I can't get there. I can't, I mean, you know, Shingun is probably like, if you were to actually put him on the block would be very valuable, but like Shingun and Sabonis, I'm not sure about that. Um, uh, you know, I don't know what they would be looking for, but I, I just don't think the Rockets have it. So I, I turned to Portland. That's the best I can think of. But like I said, even that's a difficult match because they, they have cap room, they have the picks, and 
and that's about it, you know, as far as like trying to acquire these pieces for Dame. And uh, you can't t- take up both of them, in my opinion, for what the Rockets are offering. So, I mean, you, you could you could cross your fingers and hope that that Christian Wood in 17 is enough for seven. But uh, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, I know we're running out of time. You got to go. Um, dude, thanks for doing this. And we'll see. It's, you know, the, the basically the draft is one month away. So lots, lots going to change between now and then. I tend to think right now that the, the buzz about Jabari going one is probably going to stick. And then uh, OKC, we're kind of at their mercy in deciding who they pick, and then we'll see. But right now it looks like Paolo Bancaro will probably be a Houston Rocket. Um, we'll see between, like I said, what can change between now and then. Um, and we'll go from there. Hey, man, if Paolo Bancaro is your worst-case scenario – you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's you know, it's better than being fourth or fifth. That's for sure. I mean, you want to be higher always. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I'm going to be very curious to see how this unfolds and, and who the Rockets are really seeking in this draft. But David, dude, thanks for doing this. I know you got to run to an event, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Pleasure as always, Dave.